Well, Thanksgiving weekend provides us with an opportunity to practice something that is good for us. As has been mentioned earlier, praise is good for us, but so is Thanksgiving. And did you know that gratitude is good for your soul and for your health? When we intentionally think about the blessings in our lives, it can change our mood, it can alter our perspective, it can refresh and renew us, and it can even help us through life's hard times. I discovered this a few years ago when I was studying the theme of loss. Everyone experiences loss in their lives. We can lose friends and loved ones when they move away or when they pass away. And we can experience loss when we move. We mourn that things will be different. We will not be in the same neighborhood, the same house, around the same people. And we need to grieve our losses. But if we only focus on our losses, we can go to quite dark places. So we must remember what we still have, who we still have. And Thanksgiving can help us with this. It invites us to reflect on God's provision. We remember his steadfast love and presence with us through all that we face in life. And sometimes we need to be reminded of some of the basic blessings of our lives that we take for granted every day. For example, think about indoor plumbing. Have you ever thanked God for indoor plumbing? Have you ever given thanks that you live in a place with an advanced system to deal with this basic need of human life? Because there are many places in the world where this presents a great challenge. Over the past year, I have been watching a YouTube channel called Indigo Traveler. It's put together by a young guy from New Zealand. And he describes his purpose like this, traveling misunderstood parts of the planet, showing the human side of what we read in the headlines. Follow my adventures to the lesser known parts of the world. So he goes to these places, he takes videos, he meets people everywhere, and one set of his videos focuses on Lagos, Nigeria. That's the largest city in Africa. It's estimated the population there is between 25 to 30 million people. And on the outskirts of Lagos is a slum called Makoko. They estimate about 200,000 people live in this slum, and one-third of it is on water. So the people live in these shacks built on stilts above the water. Well, the water serves multiple purposes. It's the primary transportation means for the people that live in that part of the slum. All of their bathrooms empty into the water. Kids swim in the water for fun. And the people fish from the water to get food. Now the host is so gracious and respectful to the people that he meets in the community. He compliments them. He encourages them for their perseverance. And through that video, he was able to raise money to build a soccer field for the kids in that slum over the water. 
Yet there are many problems, illnesses, and disease because of the lack of a sewage system. Compared to the citizens of Makoko on the outskirts of Lagos, we are incredibly blessed in this area. And when we recognize this gift, our perspective can change. Yes, we have our issues and challenges, but we still have such a huge gift. And the same can happen in our relationship with God. We can forget the blessings that we have in him. And no matter what's gone on in your life over the last weeks or months, you still have God if you're a believer. You still have Christ dwelling in you and daily bearing your burdens. Yet we can easily forget because life's troubles and circumstances can overwhelm our lives. So today we're going to look at a people who were incredibly blessed by God yet were tempted to forget all that he had done. We're going to see the appeal to not forget all his blessings and benefits. And then we're going to talk about how we might practice remembering and giving thanks to the Lord. And I have been praying that throughout this time together today, Jesus will remind you of his presence with you and the many things in your life that you do have to be thankful for today. So our text today is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 to 14, and it's on page 135 in the Bibles in front of you. This is Moses speaking to the Israelites just before they cross into the promised land. So this is Moses speaking, and he says, And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them that you may live, and go in, and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my word so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. 
and you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words but saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules, that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. So the book of Deuteronomy contains Moses' last words to the Israelites before they cross into the promised land. And Moses will not go with them because of an incident where he lost it in front of the Israelites. And God ordained that Joshua would take this next phase of leadership of the people. So Moses blesses Israel with a reminder of all that God has done and said. Old Testament scholar Dan Block declares the book of Deuteronomy is the gospel according to Moses. And in it, Moses appeals to the Israelites to remain faithful to the Lord as they finally realize the dream of the promised land. Yet within this book, there's a lot of law. The Ten Commandments are repeated in Deuteronomy 5. And some say the rest of the book is a commentary or interpretation of each one of the Ten Commandments. Now the word Deuteronomy means second law. Deutero meaning second, namos meaning law. God initially gave the law at Mount Sinai or Horeb to the Israelites after they had exited from Egypt. And then the Israelites went to the edge of the promised land and 12 spies went in and all agreed that the promised land was as promised. It was a good land and rich and fertile. Yet 10 of the spies came back with a report. The people and the cities are too great for us. We cannot take the land. Only two, Joshua and Caleb, trusted the Lord to empower Israel to take the land. And so the people sided with the ten spies and they charged God with being unfaithful. And they even said, God, you led us into the desert so our children would die here. Well, God responded to this by wiping out the ten spies and then pledging to wipe out the entire unfaithful generation, but to ensure that their children, who they said would die in the desert, would actually go into the promised land. And it is the children that are now at the threshold of the promised land. And Moses is going to review the law for them. This is the second generation, and they are going to receive the second reading of the law from Moses. And in this chapter, he basically appeals for them to keep the law. But he does not only tell them, obey the law. He gives them solid reasons and motivation to do so. So I just want to point out some of these to you. In verse 1, he says, Do the law so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. So notice that Moses doesn't just say, Obey the law. 
He says, obey it so you can live. God's law gives us life. Obey it for your good. God's word is for our good and for our blessing. But we humans have a tendency to want to revise laws that we don't like or that we think restrict us in some way. We want to find exceptions and loopholes because we think we know so much better than any lawgiver what's good for us. And I'm one of those people. I was not happy when St. Albert instituted the 40-kilometer speed limit in residential zones in St. Albert. And so now, on the main street in our community, there are these digital signs. And as you drive by, it shows you the speed. And if you go over the 40 speed limit, like 41, it starts flashing at you. And then if you don't get under the speed limit, it says, slow down. And then if you still don't go get under, it gives you a sad face. Well, I don't like that. I want to justify why I should be able to go 50 in residential areas like we used to. And we naturally resist laws that restrict what we want to do. But when it comes to God's law, we're dealing with something and someone totally different. These words are from the Lord himself. So Moses warns in verse 2, don't add to this word or take from it. And notice, when we don't do that, we're enabled to keep the law. Following the law enables us to keep it if we don't add to it or subtract from it. For otherwise, we might end up in a very rough spot. And Moses alludes to that in verse 3 by the simple name Baal Peor. And this was a place where thousands of Israelites abandoned the Lord and began to worship an idol. And the Lord responded harshly by wiping them out. And he reminds the people that were standing there that they were still alive that day because they had not worshipped another god or another idol. And then in verses 5 and 6, he gives them more reasons to follow God's word. And look at verse 6 especially. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding. So again, when we keep God's law, we gain wisdom, we gain understanding for life. But Moses also predicts the impact on those around Israel were the people to keep the law. So the end of verse six says, in the sight of the people who, when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So in some way, when Israel would keep the law and what they would learn of Israel's law, they would say, this is a wise and understanding people. And then in verse seven, Moses says something very important. He says, for what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him. So that is a, a depiction, a picture 
of the Lord for Israel. Israel had a God who was near them and listened whenever they called. And we might think, well, what's the big deal about that? What's so unique? And to understand this, we must consider pagan worship compared to Israelite worship. So when the Israelites went to worship and presented their sacrifices, they came to meet with the Lord. The assumption was the Lord would be there in the tabernacle, in the temple, and they sacrificed to give thanks to the Lord. They sacrificed to fellowship with the Lord. They sacrificed to confess to the Lord or to reconcile with the Lord. They knew he was there and desired fellowship with them. But consider the worship of other nations like those in Canaan. They also brought sacrifices to their gods, but their sacrifices had a very different motivation. Sometimes they sacrificed to appease the god, to think, because they thought the god was angry. So if something bad happened to them as a village or a region, maybe there was a flood or a really violent storm, they thought the god was mad at them. So then they would go and sacrifice to a try to appease and lessen the god's anger. Or if the land lacked rain, they might sacrifice to try to get the God's attention, thinking that the God does not know that the land lacks rain. Or sometimes they tried to buy the God's protection. Or sometimes they would sacrifice to wake up the God. They didn't know how the God would respond. They didn't know if the God was near or far. They assumed that their gods were distant and disinterested. How different from Israel's God and the Lord. Moses reminds them of this great blessing of God's nearness and revelation. And if you're a Christian here today, you have even more of God's nearness and revelation than the Israelites did, for we have Christ dwelling in us. And he's not just nearby, he's right inside us. He himself is the ultimate revelation of God. Dan Block writes that in Christ we have the supreme demonstration of God's nearness and revelation. So, do we give thanks for this? Do we go into our days reminding ourselves of this great blessing? Jesus is with us through every moment of every day. God is with us daily bearing our burdens. Our eternity is secure because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Our guilt is wiped away because of his blood on the cross. Yet, yes, we have hard things to face in life, but we still have the Lord Jesus dwelling with us. We still have the Lord Jesus dwelling in this community where more than two or three are gathered here today. Yet, we forget. And look at Moses' command in verse 9. And if you don't have a Bible, it's on the front page of your bulletin. This is such an incredible verse, I think. Moses writes, only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart 
all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. And then he goes on in the rest of the passage that we read to remind them of what they had seen at Mount Horeb, out at Mount Sinai, when the Lord himself showed up and they heard his voice. And friends, we need to remind ourselves of what we've seen and experienced with God over our lives. We need to remember it. We need to take care to guard our souls from forgetting. For the devil is always ready to accuse God in our thoughts. What has the Lord done for you lately? Look at your life and all the hard stuff in it. God has forgotten you. And if we're not actively guarding our souls, we can begin to believe such lies. Or we can conclude it ourselves. Yeah, yeah, Lord, what have you done for me lately? We forget what we have seen. Our passion for Christ leaves our heart. We no longer talk of the Lord and his faithfulness. But when we remember the Lord and his great work and love for us, our hearts can soar went through such an experience this week. One morning, I had a lot on my mind, many things on my mind, and I just wrote in my journal, Lord, please help me. Help me represent you today. Live from you. Depend on you. And my reading was from Psalm 106. And listen to what verses 43 to 45 say about the Lord. Many times... The Lord delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion and they wasted away in their sin. Yet, he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered their covenant and out of his great love, he relented. So in that text, there were many reminders of God's goodness. God doesn't give up on us because he keeps his covenant with us. He is committed to us. He won't just drop us because we fail. The Lord takes note of our distress when we cry out. The Lord remains true to his covenant because of his steadfast love. And the Lord doesn't look at you and say, oh, I have to be in relationship with that person. Because I'm in a covenant, I guess I'll do it, but I wish I didn't have to. No, he's attentive to us. He loves us. He sings over us. Jesus died for us so that we could be forgiven and he responds to our cries. And remembering that, put the rest of my thoughts in perspective. Okay, Lord, with you, I can move forward. With you, I have the strength to live this day to your glory. With you attentive to my cry, I don't have to fear. Yet that happened to me because of the simple practice of abiding in Christ, making space in our lives and in our minds for the Lord. And when we do that, it greatly increases the likelihood that we will remember and not forget God's presence and revelation for us. So 
How do we do that? How do we remember the Lord beyond Thanksgiving Sunday? Remember his goodness. Remember what he has done. Well, one way you could do it, one way I do it, is through something called a journal. And I just get those five subject spiral ring journals from Staples. And I just write the date and maybe I write down a little bit of what's going on in my thoughts and in my life. And then I begin to read the scriptures. And I listen for what God points out to me in them and respond to it. And for me, writing things down helps me get things out of my mind onto paper so I can examine my thoughts and be able to say, that's crazy. How about some realism and some perspective for that thought? Or it just simply helps to remind me of the faithfulness of God when I write out a verse that talks about his faithfulness. And if you're following along in the Abide series, uh, lesson four is all about journaling or remembering practically and practicing that, that activity of remembrance regularly so that we can recall the goodness of God. And for some of you, journaling is not your thing at all. You, you, you don't like writing, that's fine. Maybe if you're a painter, you could paint something. If you are a crafty person, you could make something. If you're a builder, you could build something or you could just get a stone and you could put it somewhere that you will see it often to remind you of the faithfulness of the Lord. Maybe there's a song that was playing or that came into your life at a time when you were going through a difficult time and the Lord showed his faithfulness. Go back to that song. Practice remembering. For we can be a what have you done lately for me God kind of people. And the journey of faith speaks against that. We must take care to not let our souls forget. To not let the memory leave our hearts as Moses describes here. A daily abiding in Christ provides this opportunity for daily refreshment in him as well. And so, Christian, we enjoy the blessing of our indwelling Lord, who is the ultimate demonstration of God's nearness and revelation. No matter what we're going through, Jesus remains with us. But we need to remind ourselves about what he's done in the past, especially during tough times in the present. This helps us gain courage and strength to go forward in faith. And so as we conclude our time together today, I want to invite you, if you can think of things that you're thankful for, to the Lord to just offer them up to him in a prayer in just a moment. But if you have gone through a time of loss and that loss might be consuming your heart, your mind, I want to invite you to focus on what you still have or who you still have in the Lord. And I'm going to give you a few moments to just come to the Lord in prayer and then I'll lead us as we close. And so would you come before the Lord to give thanks to him or to recall what or who you still have? And Lord God, we live in a culture that teaches us to expect things instantaneously.
We want instant information. We want fast food. We want instant connection. We expect instant results. Yet that is not the journey of faith, Lord. The journey of faith remembers your faithfulness and trusts your presence and looks forward with faith because of your steadfast love. The journey of faith includes suffering loss, but it also includes what we still have and who we still have in you. And so I pray today for those here who are going through a time of loss, Lord, as they grieve or as they mourn or as they struggle to adjust, remind them that they still have you and that they still have the presence of Jesus Christ who daily bears burdens, our burdens. And if we become complacent, Lord, complainers, missing all the blessings that you have for us every day, help us to see again and anew all that you've blessed us with. And help us to be a people that is thankful, that watches and sees and proclaims your goodness, your faithfulness, and your love. Not only today, but every day as we walk with you. We give you praise, O God, for all that you are and all that you have given us. Help us to spur one another on to remember these blessings and proclaim them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.